Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insights into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, hello, everyone. I am Leif, and welcome to Kingdom Family Talk. And I have this excitement to be able to introduce you to my dear friend, Sean Bowles. Sean is a TV host, an author, producer, as well as he is a Christian minister. He has been a leading conversations in the church, also in the entertainment industry, and been very much involved in social justice that has helped believers to connect their faith to culture in a transformative way. His area of passion includes uh, developing Christianity that brings transformation, the intersection of Christianity and popular culture, business and the marketplace from a faith perspective, social justice through faith and hearing God's voice. Uh, He is a prophet with a very powerful prophetic ministry. But more importantly, Sean is married to Sherry and they have two beautiful daughters, and he got a Boston Terrier, just like we have. So we have something in common. So welcome, Sean. How are you doing in the middle of everything? You know, it's funny because both my my calling and my wife's calling, the world goes on, even if there's COVID. Like my wife is a an urban trainer for gardening and farming. So she plants, uh, we bought a new property and she's planted, I think maybe in the last four months, 600 different types of plants. So berry patches and vegetable gardens and new orchards and then also beauty. So like rose gardens and dahlia gardens. So she's in heaven because she doesn't have to talk to anybody. No one comes over. <laughs> she just goes to go. No, she just does her media and then, you know, like her closest friends come. And then for me personally, like I've been doing more production on the production. I went from 37 tour stops a year, plus just in our own ministry, plus, you know, all the stuff I would do for other people to doing zero of that and just doing all online and producing a couple of TV shows for TV and then some mainstream projects. And so we've been doing phenomenal. We've been really, you know, we have compassion and empathy for those who haven't been and been able to, you know, really rally for a lot of causes. But this has been the greatest reset time of our, our lives. And I don't say that in the political sense of how political politicians are using it, but in the spiritual sense of like, this has been like the next 25 years of our life were set up because of this year. Yeah, I was just sitting and thinking about it right before we talked. I remember you were here in Atlanta at one of our family gatherings. Yeah. And, but one of the fun prophecy, because one of our spiritual son, his name is Yazir and Aki. And you mentioned, hey, there's this Cuban. And I have never met a Cuban named Yazir. That sounds like a Middle Eastern name. But you called out his name, his wife, and their three sons with name in that meeting. And some of the shifts that happened in their life, same also some of the words you've had from me, from my wife, but just who you are and also the way that God is using you. So it's just been a privilege for me over the years to see the impact of your voice. So could you just share a little bit because the thing that I honor so much about you is I feel that you love so well. It's like if I'm sitting here with you, you're exactly the same person that I meet in conferences or meetings or if we're in Bali together playing in a swimming pool. I mean, <laughs> Which was really fun when we did that. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I grew up in the church and so I grew up around parents who love conferences and meetings and love to see what God would do. You know, they had, my dad had a career. He was a colonel. They just love the church and they escaped the world. And so for me, when I, when I came in, you know, to my teenage years and older, I started to really love hearing God's voice, but it was always in the context of church. So I, when I was around 15, 16, I met a couple of different people who were really inspiring to me. 
And I was like, what could God do with what we see here outside the church? If we, there was no us and them, like the Christians and the people who weren't Christians. If we could treat everybody like they're a son or a daughter of God and see them in God's original intended value for them. So this started when I was you know, a teenager. And as I made different progressions in life, like I remember kind of climbing up a church ladder, Christian sphere of influence in my, in my 20s and going, this isn't it. This is not healthy. This is political. Not that that space is political, but I, what I was experiencing was not good. So I kind of went into hiding and I really sought God's heart. So I want to, I want to know you, not for the sake of evangelism or for, for what you could do for me or through me, but I just want to know you. Even if I'm obscure the rest of my life, I'm going to know you yeah. the way you want to be known, like John 17. I want to be in you. And I had a really profound, I, I'd gone to a lot of poverty places. So I've, I've gone to a lot of like Amazon jungle and like poor camps and like, you know, of course, uh, trash heaps and stuff or whatever, red light districts. And so it was a kind of a side project I would do everywhere I went and I got malaria and then I got this weird parasite during that time. So why I was asking God for this, I thought I was dying and I thought it was like an invitation from God. Like you get to go home early to be with me because you want to be face to face, but he healed me. I mean, he healed me. He commissioned me to go back out as a prophetic voice to restore the mandate of love mm. and Christianity, especially around the spiritual gifts. And I was really and he also commissioned me over media entertainment, but whatever. But I was really sad about the commissioning for ministry because I felt like I had been bit by such a political spirit in some of the places that I had been in. And there's such a buying for positions, so much jealousy and stuff. And some of the, and that, again, that's not necessarily widespread, but some of the places I'd been that I was, I was discouraged that I had to go back into that world. But I realized like, as I was in the video game world at the same time doing entertainment, it was the same there. It's human beings. It's not like you can't just, typecast one part of the world and say that's what that is it's like there's sin everywhere and so i had to come out of the place of like you know like i'm not going to come under something by doing what god's called me to i'm actually going to come over something and revolutionize it if i do it right if i do it in obedience and love to god and if i see the very people who i have a political spirit as those who he wants to love the most mm -hmm. like just like actually change my heart so i went on a journey of transformation and seeing what seeing what god's love could do in the world around me and again i was I've always had a business. So I've always been like in the entertainment industry or video games or whatever, consulting, coaching. Um, and then I've always had a ministry and the ministry is what most people see. And especially because for a season, I was teaching the body of Christ about words of knowledge as one of the primary focuses for about three years. So I was really highlighted during that time because that's such a supernatural before and after moment. Like it's either God or you research something. Those are the two options or Satan, I guess. That could be a third option. And so during that time, I, I, I was really highlighting. I wrote a book about it. It was one of the best sellers of the year for Christianity, even though it's such a niche subject. And people are really hungry for that because I feel like God wanted to restore words of knowledge as one of the love-based expressions of how he loves well, that all of us can do it. All of us can pray for healing. All of us can get a word of prophecy or a word of knowledge. And so as I went on that journey, I've really saw, especially with words of knowledge, but any kind of prophetic gift, it's the fastest way to bring somebody to what 10 counseling appointments or what 15 really good friendship times around a fire or around a nice glass of wine or a cup of coffee could bring you to prophecy brings you right into that moment of present and current and connectedness and heart. So I've started to get even more of a passion for the prophetic, even though, and when you look around the world, there's so many prophetic abuses. We want to run away sometimes from the personalities of the prophetic. I was like, I'm not going to look at them as the definition of prophecy. Jesus is. And so I'm going to keep looking at Jesus and celebrate what he's doing with the people he's doing it with and not worrying about what's going wrong because there's always been cult leaders and people who have bad followings who are bad representatives of Christ. And I'm not gonna worry about a bad representation of the most beautiful person there is. 
And so that really helped me to stay in ministry and stay involved in um, even prophecy in the prophetic movement and what God wanted to do. And I've always taught it's about love. It's not about being right and wrong. And so for me, I wasn't as concerned when we all got it wrong with politics or we all got it wrong in different areas. And I hated being grouped in with everybody else, but it's just true. I've got, I got some of the COVID words wrong. I wasn't as, I wanted to take responsibility because it's part of love and move mm-hmm. on the right way. But I wasn't as some people are like, now it's, you know, the prophetic movement is destroyed. We all need to run away. The reality is that there's so many different camps of the prophetic, like the African-American camps I'm connected to who never prophesied anything about Trump and believe that Bo Biden was, or Bo Biden, Biden was supposed to be president. You know, like they, they, they are as loving to me even in the midst of my being wrong about some of the words I had about that as people who were wrong with me. It's like, there's just, the, there's actually been such a beautiful refreshing on the issue of being right and wrong and coming back into it's about Jesus, not about politics. It's about Jesus, not about agenda. It's about Jesus and putting him first. I think we've been in the greatest season of the prophetics, the most needed gift of all the gifts and it needs to be expressed through love. And we have to remove agenda and politics out of it. And I feel like that's in the last season, people won't, people are never going to put up with the funkiness of what just happened again, which I think is like, yay God. It was very interesting in this whole season because I think I've had also a lot of upgrades and love as we've sure. gone because of, uh, I mean, early on, uh, yeah, I mentioned I had a shoulder surgery, but then right afterwards with his COVID-19, my son-in-law, who's African-American, his mom died of COVID. Oh, but that was early on and we went up in a funeral and it just, I thought I understood my son-in-law that uh, my wife and our daughter, we went up to Florence, Alabama, and then we drove outside Elgin, Alabama, where the funeral was going to be. And when we came out in this country road, I started to weep because our oldest daughter, Lila, used to be Hetland, now it's Fuqua. But when we came out there, this is the Fuqua land, meaning this was the land where the slave owner used to have them. And where the funeral is, there's, there's his dad, his grandparents, he has nobody left, buried on this little plot. Because wow. this is when you, the slave owner, gave them this little land, a few acres, where you can bury your people, because you're not allowed to bury them where we are. So we left that, and then George Floyd happened right afterwards, and wow. uh, some people saw me on social media being out there marching, that I felt the invitation was to be a lamb, and the, the aspect of the lamb of Jesus, to be broken with the people broken, and we were out there. And at the okay. same time, period, I interviewed Steve Strang for his new book, Why Donald Trump? So I got to realize from both sides, because I'm a Norwegian, I could try to play the neutral, but I realized that one moment I'm out there with a mask marching and the next moment I'm interviewing. And two different groups of people, uh, I, I got to experience and learning how to love both of those groups of people <laughs> yeah. in, in a whole new different way. So now it's totally. in a school, school of learning and practicing the language of love for all of us. What are you sensing then? What is actually God doing in it? We, we recognize what the enemy is doing. We see the attack in certain areas, but what are you sensing God is doing in this season? It's so funny because, you know, there was all these words for 10 years that God was going to move outside the four walls of the church building and that God was going to create identity in individuals instead of just the corporate identity we get from going to our church movement or our church group that God was going to do something in the marketplace, that God was going to do something with believers in the highways and the byways. These are the words that like, I mean, so many people, especially a lot of the prophets who died over the last 10 or 15 years were giving. I mean, Jill Austin and Bob Jones and Paul Kane and I mean, so John Paul Jackson were talking about that God's going to move outside the church and the church was going to be the community center or the family to what he was doing outside the church. None of us could ever imagine what that looked like. Then we have the hundred year event and we all can't go to church. 
for so many people, we still can't in LA, there's very few churches open. So our church is opening for the first time for Easter outside and you have to make reservations. It's like going to be a portion. So like, like all of a sudden people are having to practice their Christianity on their own and be justified by their own faith because yes, they can watch on Sunday or yes, they can fellowship with some people, but they have to be self-motivated to do it. And you're watching some things happen. Yes, there's all the negative. We can, we can go over negative, but you're watching so many good choices being made because people are responsible for their own faith. And it's creating that sense of um, uh, self-governing that I think when what Martin Luther, you know, at the Wittenberg door nails a thesis that says we're each justified by our own faith in reading the Bible and in prayer. And I would add hearing God for ourselves, those three things that we're now walking out the first generation of Christians around the world who no longer, for the most part, you know, it's, I think it's only 25% of Christians can go to church. So for them, it, have it available to them. And it's probably less than that. So for the most part, people are having to be the light and they're having to be connected to Jesus without any interdependency or even codependency to religious structure. And I think it's been like one of the best purges and deliverances and cleansings we've ever gone through because people are realizing like, I'm fully me as a Christian or I'm not. And I, I'm going to take responsibility for that now. And that's like, I'm no longer dependent on this church making that happen for me or this ministry or this thing. And so I feel like people have got an upgrade. Like they've had to learn. It's like, if your kids are leave the house at 18 instead of 30, they learn a lot. You learn a lot when you leave your parents' house, even mm -hmm. if you're young, where you have to do your own bills, you have to do all your own responsibilities. And I feel like the church has been carrying a measure of people's relationship with God and probably somewhat of an unhealthy way for a while. And I feel like that's been removed. And even with the prophetic thing where there's, you know, so many American prophets were wrong about the elections or about COVID or about other stuff. All of a sudden you have this gift set that's been starting to get celebrated and all of a sudden gets like, has a massive kind of hit against it. And to me, there was somewhat of an encouragement to that because God doesn't want it to be around prophetic personalities or about a few people empowered. I hear from God and listen to me. Oh, that's okay. I mean, I love prophets and prophecy. But you have, it's justified by our own faith. It's each one of us hears God for ourselves. And so people, I don't think, like the people I've talked to are like, I still believe in hearing from God. I'm going to fight for that. But I don't want to be codependent with someone who hears from God for me anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't want to expect that my, my politics and my racial decisions are going to be made by this person because they hear from God. I'm going to hear from God and make those decisions for myself based on what I feel God's love is saying. And to me, that's like the hugest win we've any generation's had in over 100 years because we have levels of freedom and independence that have been released to us that now we have to figure out how to manage that freedom. Some people are managing it really well. Some people are managing it really bad, but I think it's like a once in a generation, maybe once in a hundred years from now, you know, like opportunity. And it's, it's beautiful. I went through a crisis uh, when I first came home after being, I was in Chile and Malaysia and just landed and then COVID hit. And my yeah. wife, about two, three months, it was tough in the beginning, because you didn't realize you're addicted to the anointing, you're addicted to being out there. And you had to get rid of a lot of those addictions and everything else. And all you had left was Jesus in the middle of it. So we realized in the middle of the shaking, there was a lot of things we needed to let go of. But I still remember the very day after about three months into this, this, wow, this shalom, this peace, just wow. didn't just fill me, but fill Jennifer, filled our home. And it was almost like a freedom. And so the storm continued, but we didn't have any storms any longer. We had peace on the inside. And if it was not for those storms, I don't think that, as I said, there's no uh, restoring the foundation of those that could have given that. It was a gift of three months that was very, very hard of going through and into this hard work of rest. And in that very place, 
yeah, I think a lot of the things you're describing, it gave me so many opportunities for learning how to love well in the middle of what's going on. Yeah. Well, Hebrews 12, I'll just make a comment. Hebrews 12, where it says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. The Lord's going to, and it's right for it, it says the Lord's going to discipline those he loves and strengthen weak needs or weak places inside of him. And this starts out with, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Because of that, because you're the joy set before him, it's his joy to discipline the weakness out of you. And he's going to shake everything inside of you that can be shaken. And you haven't come to a mountain that can't be touched, but a mountain where you get to touch and dwell. So I think like all that, when you put that into this kind of a season, it's like, it's the best of times, it's the weirdest of times, it's the worst of times. But you see Jesus, and, and to me, it's like I'm, some people may just now be seeing it. For me, I was seeing stuff being stripped away out of identity. And like, you know, and, and when you're mature, you think like, I thought I dealt with that 20 years ago. I thought I dealt with that 10 years ago. I'm having stuff stripped out of me. I had friends who I love, like accuse me of things and attack me. I'm like, do you have, do you, you're attacking right now in COVID? Like, why are you doing this? Like, why don't you have time? How do you have this time? Like, I have no time. I'm like, you know, like I had all kinds of stuff happen. We had political whirlwinds. We had and swirls and accusation. We had some of the contracts and stuff weren't working to get back from all the places we had rented for our tour. We just had a big mess, you know, and, and, I remember just going, wow, you know, I want to, I want to stand at the end of this and say, I loved him well, and I love people well, and I did, wasn't reactive, and I wasn't just moody and emotional. I want to be able to stand at the end and say, I grew, like I, I, I'm beyond my capacity right now, and I could say, like, I mostly did. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mostly did. Yeah, I did I a decent job. <laughs> I think I got a, I got a pass grade, which is good. <laughs> the nice thing, even as you said that with prophecy, is that when you have an A plus before you take the exam, totally. Totally. So it is not did I score or not score that the yeah. father was well pleased with me that I was out trying. And then <laughs> I really think it is such an advantage in the kingdom. I, I was actually just thinking about, and I've often shared a story when uh, you and I were speaking at Bethel for the prophetic conference. And it was one of those moments where God used you in a very powerful way. And I was going to talk a little bit more on the orphan spirit. And actually, I read my book in this season. That somebody whispered from the second row because I was going to follow you right after that. And just for a moment, because orphans compete, but sons and daughters complete. But I'm so glad that at that moment, when somebody whispered, I started to think, hey, do I have any words? Or you started with this weird competitive. And then I just realized, I just repented. I realized, no, that's my brother. When his stuff goes up, my stuff goes up because this is family. And I just realized at that moment, when I came up, I did the three cheers right afterwards and i just shared that public and uh, just here i'm sitting and writing a book on the orphan spirit and then i realized i still have some of that orphan thinking and orphan spirit and that's what i've learned also in this season that when this squeezing is going on i, I didn't feel so much of the rebuke but it is that discipline some of the pruning of some of those things that i thought he had to dealt with and suddenly yeah recognizing and do you really trust me am i your provider is it your ministry or my ministry or uh, whose is it and suddenly re just realizing that over and over again i just take my life and place myself back into that offering plate and mm -hmm. just present myself as a living sack if i belong to you and you're not just my savior you're my lord and i think that a lot of us are experienced to put the wedding band with jesus again and and enter into this beautiful covenant relationship yeah. uh, if there's any wisdom that you would give, because I know there are still people out there. Some are still even disappointed. And, and of course, there's the political climate still going on from everything that is happening at the border. But how do we now as believers, uh, how do we respond 
to what is going on in this country as well as around the world. How can we come out of this season? And I think um, part of it is if you're if you're overwhelmed by the bigness of issues that's happening, or if you're disappointed, to focus on what God is doing. Like you had said that earlier, it's like focus on who He is. Um, you're not going to have authority over things you're just you're just mad at, and you're just upset with. Your your only authority is to love. You might have now if you're called to protest or you're called to help bring a change in something, you're going to have to graduate to a place of love, not just anger. Anger is false love. So many times it's false power um, because it makes you feel like you're going to get something for you or you're going to get something for your cause. But love sees both sides and love sees a way that's usually not the A and B. It's like Jesus with the woman who's committing adultery or committed adultery. And they're saying, should we stone her or should we let her go? And they're really doing it to trap Jesus. And he comes up with another option. And my friend, Miles McPherson, before the whole racism thing, broke out, he wrote a book called The Third Option. And I'd been de- teaching about The Third Option, which is a love-based option that's not politically driven and is not just the normal civil rights or justice driven or whatever, whatever the issue is. And I feel like we have to look for those third options that we can only see when we have his eyes of love. It's kind of like if we see our children, we they might be in trouble or something's going on with them or their marriage or whatever. And we look at them and we, we see them the way only a parent can. Like I can see you pass this hurdle. I could, I could believe for a miraculous recovery of something in your life that maybe nobody else would see, mm-hmm. you know, but other people don't see that. Well, we have to start adopting the world. Like when it said he, uh, in Hebrews 12 too, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He didn't, he didn't uh, endure the cross because of the state humanity was at in the day. He endured the cross because the father said, I will use you to restore all things. Meaning I will restore back to the point where it delineated everybody who loves you will be in their fullness again. And so he saw them like in Revelations 19, the full bride, he sees you as though you're her and he yeah. says, life's worth it. I can't wait to go to the cross. And so I think for us, when we're disappointed, when we're going through stuff, when we're, when we see the political you know, climate of whatever country it is you're listening from and you're discouraged that this person is too liberal or this person that doesn't understand this issue or whatever it is, or, or whatever the disappointment is, and maybe it's in churches or leaders or whatever. I know people were disappointed in some of our leaders in our local church just because we wouldn't meet publicly and defy the government, but we work with the city on foster care and everything else. We don't want to jeopardize our foster care position or whatever else we do. So we felt to really honor the restriction. And, um, and we felt that with a clean conscience, you know, like we felt that before God. And so we had people who were disappointed. And so in that disappointment, my job wasn't to get them over the disappointment. My job was to get them into agreement for what God was doing in their life. Mm. And when you see who God is to you and you see what he's doing in your life, it's hard to be, you know, uh, a contender in issues that are become lesser. They do become secondary as God becomes first. He's first place. And I think a lot of the body of Christ does not have Jesus in first place. Mm. We have justice in first place. We have church in first place. We have other things and we have to put Jesus back in first place. And you know, when you're doing it, cause it's painful because yeah. it's, it's not easy to put him in first place when you really care about other things and to surrender your control. Like I had a good dad growing up. So when I was driving with him somewhere, I trusted him completely, but some people have never had a person who drove them around well. So they're always wanting to be the con- driver in control. And mm-hmm. so they don't, they, they don't know what it's like to sit in the backseat and just daydream yeah. because they've had to be that driver, you know, right in front. Well, with God, a lot of times we're, we want to drive for him. We want to be the driver because we don't understand him as a father. So I think to me, if you could put God in first place and deal with the painful control struggle of you wanting to drive the thing, drive your life, drive the issue, drive, you want to, if you find yourself talking about whoever it is in politics over and over cyclical conversations, that's a sign that Jesus isn't first in your life. 
If you find yourself having cyclical conversations about someone you're disappointed in a relationship, that's a sign that you haven't moved on in love. You haven't found a place that where love is. And don't get condemned by that. Don't be introspective. Just say, okay, how can I move on now? And for me, sometimes it's inner healing or therapy. Sometimes it's having a prophetic moment with God saying, I recognize this and I choose to change. I just choose to not have cyclical conversations or cyclical thoughts in my head or thoughts that haunt me when I get up in the morning. But I choose to let those thoughts, that same space that I've been occupying with this, I'm going to occupy it with you, Jesus, and your beauty. And if I don't see you as beautiful, I'm going to realign my priorities so I can focus on you the right way. And it's a hard thing to do. I mean, it's like we have to retrain ourselves neurologically and spiritually and emotionally. And especially if you've been affected by it. But I think there's great examples like, you know, I just interviewed Sean Smith uh, for one of my TBN shows and called Discovering God. And in his dad was proven he was brutally shot and killed by corrupt cops. And so that, you know, he grew up without his dad because corrupt cops killed his dad. And instead of becoming bitter and becoming part of a movement that's not really going to change things, but is just really upset, he became a minister of the gospel to bring salvation. And his first two converts was a white supremacist and a Muslim, um, uh, a black Muslim uh, in training, you know, in training to be a, a prominent person in the Islamic tradition. And those were his first two converts and they worked together to bring evangelism on the whole college campus. And he saw that the kingdom is different than the natural, like God can get to the heart of somebody who like, what if the leader of the Ku Klux Klan gets a Jesus encounter and we all have to accept him the way the early church had to accept Paul. You know, like we have to accept him and maybe God uses somebody who we don't even want God to use to be an apostle in our generation. And that's to me, what's happening is like, what if Kanye West gets over his bipolar disorder and becomes an apostle in the current church and is speaking with Joe Olstein? Well, it's kind of happening, you know, and there's, there's levels of it, but it's kind of, you know, this could happen or a Justin Bieber or someone else that people don't really like, they villainize in our current church society. What if they have a conversion and mass road experience and part of the early church would look at that and go, you know, like, uh, I don't believe in this. And Barnabas used his position to say, I 100% believe in this and stood with Paul until they would believe too. So mm -hmm. I think we're in that season where, where we have to choose love, prioritize Jesus first, and then also recognize some of the things Jesus is doing that are outside of our box and outside of our good, not try and solve human problems that are actually spiritual with mm -hmm. human traditions or answers, which are great but they're not going to resolve the spiritual root system. No matter how many repara reparations there would be made for the African-Americans uh, in slavery right now in state to state, house to house, city to city, that will not solve systemic poverty. It just won't. That's only solved by the root system changing and it's a spiritual root system. But I love the reparations. I love when it happens, but we have to actually go after it with the spiritual acts and then natural acts too, but the spiritual acts. So I think, um, that can help people who are stuck in maybe one issue or they're stuck in one area of cause. Jesus isn't limited to one thing. His glory is on everything. So what is he doing that you can come into agreement with? That was long-winded. Sorry. Well, no, I mean, it was very good. I, I loved it. A lot of wisdom. Uh, I thought about it in John 13, one of the verses that I've just been, yeah, it's been messing with me in this season. It's when Jesus, eventually we know he's washing their feet, but eventually he says, as I have loved you, you love one another. And that's how the people are going to see. I love that. Yeah. So, but then I realized washing the feet of Judas, and, and I almost cried thinking about this because I'm going to see this imam three weeks from now. And uh, I, I'm, I'm going to send you a picture. But this person is pretty radical. And for five years, everywhere I went, he stirred up and falsely accused me, oh, wanted to get me killed. One time, 500 guys with machine guns showed up to kill me because he said I had burned the Quran. Just, but that verse, when Jesus just 
he washed the feet of Judas, or Peter is going to betray. And eventually the cross, he says, now as I have loved you, so I first had to experience in Jesus, actually on this floor, in this office, coming in and washing my feet again, before wow. I had to face this person. Wow. Happened. And the last time I saw him, he hugged me and he kissed me. And he said that the first time I met him, he said, I cleaned my hand because I touched an unclean, an infidel. But now I hugged him and kissed him. In front of 40 imams, he told us, because wow. this is my brother. This is my brother's. And I realized it's just one verse where I said, Jesus, I need to first receive the way you love me, despite of the love without a hook. That's the way you have loved me. And now, freely I've received. Now, now you want me just to do the same thing to other people. And that's how the world out there is going to see. So when you were sharing, that story just came to me. And it just oh, took me very story. Wow. Sean, what do you have? I just want you to, if you have any words or something to say to some of our people, just uh, because I do want you to bless and just pray. Yeah. Uh, we just all need a fresh, fresh baptism of love in this season. Whoa. <laughs> oh, totally. I, I think like it's so fun because, um, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the anointing and, and revival, we've always said, looks like family. Yeah. And so family is a great container. We've had to spend more time with our families probably in this last year than a lot of us have in a long time, if not ever, you know? And so I think that, you know, there's many new babies coming forward. And I think the babies that are being born in the last season of coronavirus and now, I think have a really special anointing on their lives because they're being born in the season of adversity when so much is changing. And I think there's a really special generation that God planned for this time that have in their root system, the ability to face great, great challenges that add us quote, will never change from this. But I think babies that are being born right now are being born in adversity mm. and being born with tools that spiritual tools in their hands to be able to break through. Like I see them just like in a, the jungle of our idealism and our thoughts and our psychology and hacking through just structures that have been built from the past and paving new ways for society that will come after them for however long until Jesus returns. And I'm, I'm so encouraged by people who are having babies and family in the midst of this kind of a season, because it's, some people are afraid to, some people are like, I'm not going to have a child or I'm not going to develop a family. I'm not going to get married in a time like this. And I've talked to so many people who've even got married, couldn't have traditional weddings, but they got married during this time. And I'm like, God is going to bless that because there's something about that marriage that's anointed for our generation. There's something about that family, that baby being born, that grandbaby. So that's one thing I really feel is like just to highlight. And then the second thing is, um, you know, I would encourage everybody to go through their last five or six big wins in life where they've actually had really good circumstances happening at a job or a, a raise, you know, that kind of thing, or whether it's a, a, a promotion or whether it's a win with their child, like where they had like a big breakthrough relationally or a big time of connection or in their marriage. And, and look at that as a God moment, as much so as you saw at the altar at church or you saw when you had a revelation of something or your salvation look at that as a God moment and then look for how God spoke to you or brought you to that point to bring you to that win. And don't claim the win as your own and don't claim the win as the result of good living, but claim the win as God brought you to that place because he wants to train your mind and your heart to anticipate more wins in the immediate future because he's going to be doing some things, but you need to be able to know how to look for them. I know how to feel like, oh, this is what it felt like when I got the promotion or when my boss talked to me. And, you know, you need to be able to feel that because the atmosphere of what you felt in those wins, he wants you to get ready to feel again. So you'll fully partner 
in the next seasons because there's glory on your life in areas that you're not seeing it as glory. God's love and favor has been on you in, in areas you're not even claiming as God. And God wants you to claim it as him so you could anticipate financial breakthrough and relational breakthrough in areas that uh, maybe it's getting the right doctor at the right time, anything. It's like he wants you to anticipate it because you're going to need to know him and how to hear him in those areas for future wins so that you could fully partner and milk it for all it's worth. And so I really feel like God's training us how to hear his voice, not just the direct speech, but when God's nonverbal. And God's nonverbal, but speaks to us all the time. He lives within us. And so I feel like he's teaching the body of Christ. He's maturing us to the place where, you know, psychologists will say most of mature communication is nonverbal communication in marriage or in uh, father to mother or these kinds of, you know, or father to daughter, father, mother to daughter. Uh, it's it's nonverbal. And, and that's because you, you understand relational cues and you've built history. And God wants to teach us how to understand the language that's not language, you know, the language that's not verbal. And I feel like the body of Christ, we're about to go into a time where we really know how to be gently nudged by the spirit for greater results versus having to be disrupted from what we're doing by a loud voice. He's speaking softer. And that's confusing when you're wanting God to give you direction or speak to you so clearly. And he's like, actually, I put it in your heart already. Look for how I've come before. I'm already in front of you. And so I feel like there's a lot of direction coming by the intimacy of God and that weighty, mature voice of God versus that direct voice. And we need to anticipate that. Wow. Do you mind just praying over us and just release? Oh, for sure. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Jesus, for this whole family, I just pray just for the next grace level to see how you're already speaking to us, God, that we would just glory in how you already are with us. And God, for those people who are feeling like, man, I'm at the end, or I'm just at a deficit. I pray, God, that you would come, that your love paid every debt, that your love fills us up to the, not just to the measure of like half full or just a little bit, but overflowing, you say, Jesus, over and over, streams of living water from our belly, which represents full kingdom activity of your love from us, for us, and through us. I pray, Jesus, that there would be dreams in the night, prophetic encounters in the day for people in this family and this network that there would be in this tribe, that there would be more dreams, more dreams, God, and more revelations than they've ever had in any other season. And that they would be complementary from one city, one nation to the next, that there would be that Leif and uh, Jennifer would get such a list of words and dreams for the movement and for uh, individual areas, that it would be shocking that you're speaking so clearly. But we also pray that you would train us in that nonverbal, intimate language of where you trust us and we trust you by nature. Jesus, we just want you first. We just want you so first in our lives. Thank you, God, in the midst of a great day of adversity that you are so clearly seen and you're so clearly felt and your benefits are so fully known in a day like today. Thank you that even the current church statistics study groups for this last year have said Christian marriages, again, have proven stronger than any other people group's marriages during mm -hmm. coronavirus. Their Christian addiction rates are on an all-time low. Lord, mm -hmm. in a time like coronavirus that we're experiencing the benefits of salvation this beautifully, I pray that it would be such a contrast to those who aren't. Lord, that we would see the benefit of your love and loving you in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Mm. <laughs> I'm sensing you know, this incredible peace that is just resting upon us. I believe even anyone that is out there watching or listening, just feel this blanket of this shalom, this peace. And take a nap. Whoa, yeah, take a nap. <laughs> Rest and receive. Wow. 
Hey, what do you do for fun these days, Sean? Let me just ask that. What What do you oh do for God. fun? We both have Boston Terriers, so I know. Yeah, we have our dogs, my kids. Um, the fun <laughs> thing is my daughters are eight and six, and they like video games and movies that I like. So we just went through the Star Wars series with eight and six-year-old, and they loved it. I was like, yes. But we also went through Anna Green Gables. I wanted to make sure they stayed girly. Just kidding. And uh, we went through both. And then we also went through, uh, we also went through reading the Anna Green Gables series and the Little House of Prairie. But I personally, am a, I don't play golf. I'm a video gamer or we have our pool and our yard. So we just, we just play like all the time. And then I connect with friends. So we have some really, we have people we potted with here in LA. There's like four families that we do a lot of stuff together that we just keep each other protected just because we've had a lot of really sad death around us from coronavirus yeah. and really sad circumstances with people who don't have pre-existing. So it's, but we've been a little more careful because we just don't, we're not afraid of getting it and dying, but we just want to be really careful for the people we're around. And so we've uh, had some families that we've had a lot of family fun with going to beaches and going to, you know, just doing day trips and fun stuff. And next week we're going on spring break to a really nice resort that finally opened up. Mm. And so here in California, just the staycation. And so, yeah, we're just vacationers or ex life experience junkies. So we'll go on, we'll go do tourism and we'll go when Disneyland opens back up, we'll go. <laughs> yeah, okay. I like it a lot. Now, tell me, do you have any books or any e-courses, anything that is very, uh, that could be very helpful for people in this season? I, I've read it. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh my gosh. So our books, we have a lot of books, but the book that's coming out that I love, it's one of my favorite things I've ever written. It's called Wired to Hear. Mm. And it's all about hearing God for the marketplace, career, or place of influence. So it's for people who are, if, you, if you've ever belonged to a marketplace group or, or a, a place for, you know, full gospel businessmen and women or whatever, these kinds of things, you need this book because it's going to teach you how you're wired to hear from God for this generation. And it's so good. I wrote it with my friend, Bob Hassan, who wrote Danny Silk's book, The uh, Business of Honor uh, with Danny Silk. And so Bob and I wrote it together. That was really fun. And then we have, I have a TV show coming out on TBN and I think late May called Discovering God Through His Names. Wow. So I go through each name of God, 14 of the names, and we're going to do a season two, so we'll go through more. But each of the names of God with one guest who shares their story of how they met God that way. So I had Marilyn Hickey come on. You yeah. know, Sarah. So Marilyn Hickey came on because uh, she ended up, she did the first series besides Oral Roberts on the names of God on TBN. And so and it's like 30 years later, I'm doing a series on it. I'm the first one who's done a series on it on TBN in 30 years. And so it's super exciting because it's just like so beautifully done. It's very artistic. I host and I teach, but then it goes back and forth between me and the interview. And, and then I interview them at the very end. We get on the chair. That's coming out in the end of May. And then we also have our online platform, which has been phenomenal with uh, free events every month. So we do, we teach people how to hear from God in their place of uh, influence and authority. So we have people who are church leaders and pastors and prophetic group leaders, but we have business leaders, entrepreneurs, all on the same platform. We have several thousand. We do live classes on Tuesdays, which are question and answer times. Uh, with several, like just a couple hundred, because it's a weird time of the day. But we have um, several thousand who are going through the program, and we have live events every month. We have uh, five videos that come out every week, and we have five e-courses plus about 20 sub-e-courses, and we have a lot of guests on there. So that's been phenomenal. During the last year or so, we've just seen the most empowered group of people who are like, I now know how I hear from God, how to use this gift and how to thrive in it to bring transformation for other people. And that was my goal. And it's already happening. So our first crop has been really good. I just have to say one of the fun stories that I have, when you were here in Atlanta, at one of our family gatherings, you told a story about your sister used to go on a date with your dad. You came back and asked for the receipt. Oh, $231.70. So you knew what you had access 
And I never forgot that. And it's kind of a fun, since you are very much involved in the entertainment industry, uh, right down the street, seven minutes away from here is Pinewood Studio. Yeah. But it's now the second largest in the country. And anyways, I just got a call. Can you come and meet with some executives? And it was 28 of them. And I was thinking it would be fun to have Sean Bowles here. And then I remembered the receipt story. And you can hear from someone, someone then you will know Leon, Leon, who is, is here and having a, a Ori uh, right down the street. So anyway, so I was prophesying over each one of them, having wow. pictures and things that I do not have. It's not my gift or anything else, but it was just me, <laughs> me honoring. I remember the receipt stories. I was like, I'm going to go into Sean Bowles. And then because I realized, I, oh, this would have been so helpful. And he said it, that the leader of this group, right at Pinewood, the Kanye West had second floor for three months, and they had the floor right above. That's why we were doing this thing. I supposed to have 30 wow. minutes, but two hours I was there. And they said, your prophecy was just so accurate. And I was like, that's not me in a sense, because I realized. <laughs> that is awesome. But it was that story of going into, into your account, that the same account that you have with your sister with the father. It's yours too. It's yours. Right. The second time that is happening from that story you did, I have one in Switzerland, also similar story. Wow. I think I texted you and said, I'm about to go to your account because of that story. So I say that to everyone that is watching that, uh, it is such a blessing then, like I have done, is to honor and lean my heart towards Sean in an area that he has grace. And I think that so many of you can get an upgrade in for hearing the Father's voice in this season and, and for you yourself to be able to put to listen and to be able to see. So I just bless everyone that is out there listening. And thank you so much, Sean, for taking this time, investing in our community and in our family. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.